0: Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning. I'm delighted to see you and thankful that you have chosen to be in this place this morning. If you have uh, children ages 4 through 5th grade you should have received a message from us this week from brother Eddie and uh, from Matt Hollingsworth and uh, to know that the subject matter of some of the messages in the series that we're in are going to be very very sensitive and this is one of them and so uh, in the second service we're going to have we made provisions for children of that age for some special activities for them parental decision and uh, we don't have that. We don't have the, the manpower or the place to do that during this service. So if there is a concern on your part, this would be the moment that you would take your child and uh, and exit the room. Today we continue our series, What in the World is Happening Here? And here is not this building. Here is our culture. What in the world is happening in our culture. We laid the foundation for the entire series on the first week and said that Jesus and the gospel are offensive. And there are three reasons that Jesus and the gospel are offensive, and those reasons lead to two consequences. The three reasons are, the Bible says, in the beginning God. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There is a God And because He created this universe, because He reigns over all things, He has the right to guide us and to tell us what to do. The second reason that Jesus and the gospel are offensive is that man is a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And God, in His love for us, provided the way for our sins to be forgiven And that is through his son, Jesus Christ, and his shed blood, the cross and his glorious resurrection. The second, the third reason that Jesus and the gospel are offensive is that Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And perhaps of all the things that Jesus said, this is the most offensive. I am the only way to God. There are not many ways to God, but there is one And that is very offensive to many people in our culture and in the world today. The consequences of these three reasons, number one, we must either stand or crumble. We will either stand or crumble. And the second consequence is we must decide, is the world falling apart or is everything falling into place? Is everything falling into place that will culminate in the return of Jesus Christ? I believe the latter. I believe that Jesus is coming again, and it may be soon, and everything is falling into place. So the series is not a harangue, an angry harangue, nor is it a woe is the church kind of sermon series. Rather, I believe these are the most exciting days ever on the face of planet Earth. What an exciting time to be alive. What great opportunities God has given to us and continues to give to us to share the words of eternal life, to share the good news of Jesus. So we are called to gospel faithfulness. We are called to have a spiritual spine. We are called to stand, but in doing so, to stand graciously, kindly, and joyfully, not yelling and not displaying anger which will accomplish absolutely nothing but displaying the love and kindness that we see in our Lord Jesus Christ himself now the next two messages dealt with the disappearance of the innocents that is abortion and last Sunday right religion in our culture the least of these orphans and widows And our encouragement is to keep, as a church, to keep developing the culture of life. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you know that I never bring a notebook or a manuscript to the pulpit. But in this series, I am, for the first time in my entire ministry, that I've done so for a series. And it's so that I will stay focused and not chase rabbits. It's easy to do so you'll help me stay focused by your attentiveness. Today, modern-day slavery, trafficking. Exodus twenty one sixteen says, Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. That verse alone will let you know that God is very, very serious about the subject we're dealing with this morning. He uses the word kidnapping, slavery. Even though today the majority of those who are trafficked were not snatched off the street, as it were, they were forced, they were coerced, and they were deceived and God expresses his anger toward those who do such a thing. We as a nation bear the scars of the darkness of our history in slavery. And it took a civil war to bring that to an end. And in that civil war, in excess of 620,000 people lost Their lives. It is a stunning fact that there are more people in slavery today than at any time in human history. Some of you didn't know that. Your assumption was that in the 1700s or the 1800s, slavery reached its apex. Numerically, that is not true. There are more slaves today than in the entirety of human history. So today we're going to talk about modern day slavery. And first of all, I ask the question, what is it? Neri lived in a small Indian village where her father beat her and her five siblings routinely. One day her father sold her to cover a gambling debt and Neri went to work as a bonded laborer, a bonded slave at the age of nine. Each day Neri would weave saris in the searing heat for five rupees a week. But Neri's room and board mandated by her captors was seven Rupees a week. Therefore, Neri would be the property of her owners for the rest of her life. Neri's life seemed so ordinary to many of the 30 other women who had been weaving saris for years and would continue to do so for the rest of their lives. Fawn was walking in her small, poor Cambodian village when a woman introduced herself to Fawn. The woman told eight-year-old Fawn that she would give her a job to help with her family's difficult economic circumstance. Fawn went with the woman to a home a few miles away where she was given a comfortable room. When Fawn woke up the next morning, she discovered that the home was actually a brothel and that she had been sold to the brothel keeper and would have to work as a prostitute. I remind you, she's eight years old. Fawn cried, and she refused, but was beaten severely until she complied. An ordinary life to so many children housed in the brothel for years, some since the age of five. Melissa, at the age of four, lived on the outskirts of Nairobi, Kenya, in the largest sub-Saharan slum in Africa, with over 700,000 people living in this slum. When a neighbor offered to buy Melissa an ice cream cone, One afternoon, she could hardly pass at the chance. She followed the man who invited her and led led to the trash heap, which was the slum's public restroom. Believing that sex with a young virgin would cure him of AIDS, the man made Melissa lie down in the garbage heap of the slump. He covered her mouth with his hand. And raped her in the garbage. An ordinary occurrence. From day to day. Multiply that. Literally millions of times. Louisiana. A young girl named Didi. Said that her first abuse started at the age of four. When her father started letting his male friends get into bed with her. As a child, Dee, Dee said her father would often remain in the room so he could keep an eye on the men who molested her. After each incident, her father would tuck her into bed, kiss her on the forehead, and tell her she had done a good job, and he was proud of her. It was confusing. He was protecting me, but he was exploiting me, Dee, Dee said. As she got older, Didi's Dee father encouraged her to accept gifts and spend time with certain older men. These encounters started with talking and then pros- progressed from there into trafficking. Her mother found out about one man who was taking advantage of her and reported it to the police and then told Didi's Dee father, not realizing that Didi's Dee father was orchestrating the whole thing. Didi's Dee father tipped off the customer who fled the country And then her father fled. I could go on reading Dee's story, but she was rescued eventually from this slavery, was able to trace down her father, and when she traced him down, she asked him why he had allowed so many men to abuse her. She's still waiting for an answer. Brittany grew up just outside Fort Worth, she was raised in a good home, active in her youth group at church. At the age of 18, she had an argument with her parents about someone she wanted to date that they did not approve of. When her parents left the house, Brittany decided she would run away. So she put her clothes in a trash sack and left the house and began to wander the streets Staying with a friend here and another friend there. Finally, one of her friends said, I have a brother who lives in Las Vegas. He'll take good care of you. Why don't you go out there? She did. And he immediately employed her in an escort service. After a few days of that, she knew that was not right. So she got on a bus to come back to Texas. She sat down next to an older gentleman on the bus. He was so kind, so understanding, so filled with grace, so affirming to her. When they crossed the border into Texas, he said, Why don't you ride with me all the way to Dallas and let me take care of you? He was the kindest man she'd ever met. He seemed to understand her. And tragically, she agreed to do that. They got off the bus in Dallas. They went to the place where he lived. And immediately, he showed her how to get on the computer and to post her name and pictures on a site for prostitution. It gets worse from there. Eventually, she had a baby by him. And then one day, there was a knock on the door. She opened the door thinking next customer, and it was her father. He had never stopped looking for her, and he rescued her from the horrific life in which she lived. Now, I was not really prepared this week for some of what I read. I thought I was. And I knew that God wanted me to preach on this subject from the time that God laid this sermon series on my heart. But I could not believe the spiritual darkness that I saw that exists in our culture. And it is horrific. Someone is a slave if they are forced or lured to work if they are trapped and controlled by another person through mental or physical abuse or the threat of abuse, if if they are dehumanized or treated as a commodity or bought and sold as property, if they are physically constrained or have restrictions placed on their freedom of movement, they are in slavery. It takes many forms in our world today. Forced labor, debt bondage or bonded labor, human trafficking, slavery by descent, that is, parents are slaves, so the child becomes a slave. Child slavery, which is almost always sexual, forced marriage, early marriage, labor, child soldiers, or domestic help, all contrary to freedom in jesus christ so the second thing i want to address is this how bad is it it's bad there are today 40.3 million people living in slavery worldwide and over 10 million of those are children what about our culture estimates vary widely But the best estimates are that there are in these United States today in excess of 60,000 slaves. How could such a thing be? How could that happen? It's a result of the dark, dark, darkness of human hearts. How bad is it? They are here in Bell County, and you know that if you didn't know it, you were awakened two weeks ago when ten arrests were made from our county for human trafficking, and six victims of human trafficking were rescued. In the buckle of the Bible Belt, which we observed in this series no longer exists. There is no more buckle. There is no more belt. Remember, we are the fifty-first most post-Christian area in America: Waco, Temple, Belton, Salado, Colleen, Fort Hood, Bryan, College Station. Fifty-first most post. Christian area in America. Perhaps that explains the arrests that were made. I can remember thinking years ago, so many churches in Bell County, everybody's got a church, everybody's affiliated with a church, aren't they? No, they're not anymore. They're not anymore. I remember... Not too long before we moved here, we were in Fort Worth, and a little girl was kidnapped. Her name was Christy, just like my daughter, and she was the same age as my daughter. And they showed a picture of her on television, and she looked a lot like my daughter, blonde hair, cute. We were so sad, we prayed that they would find her. Two or three days after the kidnapping, it was a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. My car was out of gas. So I said, I'm going to the gas station to get some gas before church tonight. I said, Christy, you want to ride with me? And she always answered yes to that. So we went to the gas station not far from the house. I filled the car with gasoline. But I didn't want to go inside those days. You had to go inside to pay. And I said, I, I don't want to go inside without, I don't want to leave her in the car. So I said, Christy, come with me. And she got, I took her hand real tightly because, you know, gas stations, cars are moving in and out. So I took her hand. I said, come on, let's go. We went inside. We paid. I held her hand tightly, brought her back to the car, put her in and started the motor to head for home. Just as I started the motor, I looked up in my rearview mirror and a police car pulled up right behind me. Now, he didn't get out. He didn't do anything. He just was right behind me. So I thought, okay, maybe this is where they get gas. So I drove out, began to head toward home, but I looked in my rearview mirror and I noticed he was right behind me. And he followed me all the way to my house. We pulled up in the driveway, got out of the car, and I looked over my shoulder, and he was getting out of his car, right, blocking the driveway. He said, sir, may I speak to you? And I said, yes, sir. I was trying to think, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? And he looked at me, and he said, sir, is this your daughter? I said, yes, it's my daughter. Then he looked at her, and he said, young lady, is this your father? So I was so relieved. She said, yes. (laughs) He said, what's your name? She said, Christy. That is her name. I'm still not connecting the dots. He said, sir, may I come in your house? Is your wife home? I said, yes, my wife and my son. May I come in? I said, yes, sir, you can come in, but what is this all about? He said, I just want to ask your wife and your son some questions. Lights came on. I looked at my daughter, and I thought, oh. And so I said, sir, is this about the little girl who's been kidnapped? Good policeman. He said, I just want to come in and talk to your wife for a moment. He wouldn't say. Well, finally, he was convinced that she was our daughter. Now, for a few milliseconds, I was irritated. But then I thought, if my Christie had been kidnapped, believe me, I would want the police to stop everybody who had a Christie in their car everywhere in Texas to see if that might be my Christie. It's for real. It's right here. There's a map of the United States that I want to show you for a moment. You know what all that color is? Human trafficking. The dark red, that's the areas where it's the heaviest. You see the great state of Texas? You see right there, see that? You know that goes right through this building right through it I want you to picture Texas in your mind let's take the map down let's put a blank screen up there if we can okay thank you picture Texas all right right there Dallas Fort Worth now let's make a triangle Dallas Fort Worth come down interstate 35 through Waco simple belton salado austin all the way to san antonio so you got dallas fort worth up here you're going to draw a triangle first leg dfw to san antonio now let's make the base of the triangle we'll go this way oh by the way what road did we follow (coughs) i-35 so now we're going to connect san antonio to houston that's the base of our triangle What road are we following? I-10. San Antonio to Houston. Then we're going to go and complete our triangle back to Dallas-Fort Worth, I-45. One of the heaviest trafficked areas in the United States is the triangle connecting Dallas-Fort Worth, San Antonio, and Houston. Right here among us. Now, the third question I want to ask is what contributes to all of this? The sin of man, the darkness of human hearts apart from Christ. Prostitution. Pornography. Contributes to human trafficking. It's always connected. Men. I don't believe there's a man in this room who would say human trafficking is okay. Okay. But there are men who look at pornography. You're contributing to human trafficking when you do. Cheap labor, organized crime, or maybe just a perverted individual who lives in our community. All contributing to human trafficking. Well, what is the biblical view of human trafficking? I'm going to read some verses, and in your... Bulletin, I want you to write them down. Isaiah 61-8. Isaiah 61-8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And in trafficking, we are talking about the robbing of human souls as well as bodies. Micah 6-8. One of the most famous verses in the Old Testament. Micah 6, eight. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Isaiah chapter one, verse 17. Isaiah chapter one, verse 17. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Psalm 10, the 10th Psalm, verses 17 and 18. Psalm 10, verses 17 and 18. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. And finally, among a multitude of verses that I could read this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. We also know that the law, the law is not made for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, For slave traders and liars and perjurers and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. The Bible is clear in regard to slavery and human trafficking. And we know that the scripture says every person is created by God in his image and therefore treasured by God and of infinite worth to God. Slavery The owning of or controlling of another person, adult or child, is an abomination to God. So it's bad. It's here. We know it's wrong. What do we do? And with that, I want to close this morning. And this is what's most important. What do we do? I'm convinced that we need to do more than just say, oh my, that's bad. First of all, as with every other subject in this series, pray. Add human trafficking to your list as you pray. Pray for light to shine in the darkness. Pray for deliverance of those in slavery. Pray for justice to come upon the traffickers. Pray for protection for our children. And pray for salvation and healing for those who are in slavery. Please pray. Secondly, be observant. Be observant. If you see something that isn't right, doesn't seem right, it probably isn't right. And it may very well need to be reported to the authorities. Ark to Freedom, led by Kathy Ilostalo, along with her husband Yanni and their children, faithful members here who recently went to help start Renewal Church, our plant, leads an organization called Ark to Freedom. I'll have a little bit more to say about that in a moment. They published... A list of things that are red flags to watch for, particularly among kids. Let me quickly run down the list. Just keep them in your mind. Copies will be on the table in the foyer. Signs of physical abuse. Burn marks, bruises, or cuts. These are signs, potential signs of trafficking. Unexplained absences from school on the part of children or youth. Less appropriately dressed than they used to dress. Promiscuous or sensualized behavior. Overly tired in school or in other settings. Withdrawn, depressed, or distracted. Brags about making or having lots of money. Displays expensive clothes, accessories, and shoes which don't fit the family setting. New tattoos, now this is not anti-tattoo, I'm not anti-tattoo, but new tattoos are often used by pimps as a way to brand their victims. They may put a name or a symbol of money or even a barcode. Imagine that. Suddenly a girl who has an older boyfriend, significantly older, or a child who has new friends that just don't seem, it just doesn't seem right. Kids who talk about wild parties or invites other students to attend those parties. Those who show signs of gang affiliation, a preference for specific colors or displaying gang symbols. Those are just some things to look for. I think whoever at the gas station reported me that day, years ago, did exactly the right thing. Now, my daughter was not resisting, but I had her hand tight. And she was named Christy, and she looked just like the girl who was on television. So whoever reported that did the right thing. They weren't being a nosy, busybody. They did the right thing. What if? What if? That had been the kidnapped girl. Be observant. Be informed. We're going to have Disciple Life beginning again on September 15th. And one of the classes that will be offered beginning that day will be taught by Kathy Ostalo of Art to Freedom. She's under the umbrella of Hope for the Hungry. And there's a table in the foyer where we'll have some church members this morning with materials that I invite you to stop by and take. On this subject. And then I hope you will seriously consider being part of that class beginning September 15th. Number four, teach your children, especially in regard to social media. Be very careful what you allow with your children in regard to social media. Know your children's friends. Who are they? And dads. Be God's man in the house. That's what God has called us to do. Lastly, in regard to the gospel, believe the gospel. Salvation and deliverance are found in Jesus. Believe the gospel. Apply the gospel to every aspect of your life. The gospel is not something we do on Sunday. The gospel is about everything we do, everything that we think, all that we are apply the gospel and finally proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel at every opportunity for the scripture says this verse, which is about Jesus, but we're his followers. God has sent us to proclaim freedom for the captives. May God help us to do that very thing. Would you bow with me, please, for prayer? There may be someone here today who does not yet know Jesus. And in a moment, Brother Gary will lead us in the singing of an invitation hymn. And I'll be standing right here at the front to give your heart and life to Jesus. Will you leave your seat wherever that may be and come and place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you, to open God's word and to share with you. And then for those of us who have already made that decision, we're Christ followers. We've been confronted this morning with a dark, dark subject. With a truth that is all too real, even in our own county, our own community. So what is it that God would have you to do? Whatever he says, will you obey? Will you be vigilant? Will you pray? Will you be observant? Will you be informed? The church cannot afford to remain silent in the face of human slavery. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts to inform us of what we as individuals and as a church should do in the face of human trafficking the modern slavery. And Father, I pray that if there's one person in this room who does not yet know Jesus, who has not been delivered from their sins, been given the gift of eternal life, that that man, woman, boy, or girl will come right now trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and sing. As a community, First Baptist Felton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11 a.m. and for Bible study at 9.45 a.m. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God.